Um, we're going to be talking about a, what's one, considered one of the tough passages in Hebrews. There are about five that really uh, make you look at your theology and your doctrines uh, to, that will kind of uh, test them. And so we're going to look at one of them today. Um, I think for a while the church has went a little too far with them, reading a little bit too much into it. Uh, so we're not going to do that today and just look at it for what it is and what it says. Uh, try to do that today. Uh, but we'll look at verses 1 through uh, 19. So basically the entire chapter today we'll, we'll focus in on 5 through 19 of Hebrews chapter 3. And then we will uh, go to Numbers 14 here in a minute. So verse 1 says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all the house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are. If we hold fast our confession and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for forty years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end, while it is, still, while it is said, today... If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Let's pray. Holy Father, uh, your word has been read. Uh, the people, God, I pray to the Lord that will hear your words. Uh, God, that they will trust and that they will be obedient today. Uh, God, I pray for that for myself. God, I pray for those that don't know you, they have not placed their trust in you. 
Uh, God, I pray, the Lord, that you will work in hearts today and that your spirit will uh, convict. And God, I pray that it will also uh, confirm the calling in the lives of the believers. Uh, we love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name and merit that we pray. Amen. So backing up to uh, verse 5, we'll start there. And it says in verse 5, Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. Verse uh, 6 also says, But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. So we hold that firmly as, uh, to our confidence, which is uh, the word confidence there has to do with our utterance. So it's our profession. Do we profess Christ as our hope? And so I want you to um, hold firm to your profession if you are a believer. And then we boast in our hope. Well, our only hope is Jesus Christ. So here, as you've seen in, in chapter 3, we're kind of comparing Jesus with Moses. Okay? Now, to the Hebrew or to the, the Jew, Moses was the greatest prophet. Uh, there's no question. There's not, a, there's not even a close number two, really, to the Hebrew and to the, to the Jewish people. Moses was the absolute greatest, hands down. But here, the author of Hebrews says, you need to consider Jesus. Okay? You've placed your hope in a, in a great man of God, in a great prophet, but I'm here to tell you there's one even greater, and his name is Jesus. You need to consider him. And so... Here, this says that we are as being in the house of God or being in the kingdom of God, or today we would say in the church as the body of believers. It is those who hold firm to their profession of Christ as our Savior. So we need to focus on those two topics today, basically. Holding firm to our profession and boasting in our hope. And we're going to see what that looks like uh, in these next few verses. So, if you look at verse 7, we get into a Old Testament um, verses here of Psalms 95, basically. Uh, if we look at verse 7, it says, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they will not enter my rest. Now, if you follow along with me in your Bibles earlier, we got to the end of chapter 3. If you have the subtitles at the top of your chapter, look at the top of chapter 14. And it talks, or, I'm sorry, chapter 4. And it says, the believers rest. So here we're looking at an Old Testament passage talking about the rest. But we're, we're relating that to today's rest and our rest in Christ Jesus. 
Now, when we read verses 7 through 11, one of the most terrifying um, words or phrase comes in to play here in verse 7 to me. And that is the small little word of if. Today, if you hear his voice. That means there's no guarantee that people are going to hear the voice of God. They're not going to hear the calling of God. And that should terrify each and every one of us, even here today. Even though most of us have probably heard the Word of God proclaimed, we've heard the invitation to the gospel, okay? But there's people out there that may never hear. And that should terrify us. Because that could be simply somebody in our own household that may never hear it, or in our own family, or in our close friends. Not to mention those that don't have access uh, to the Word of God. But I also want you to look at, um, notice in verse 10 and 11 there, where it says, Therefore I was angry with this generation, and, they, and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So we've talked about basically those that have never heard God's word, don't know the gospel, that not going to come to faith. But then we are here talking about the people of God, the Hebrew people, that it says that they did not know His way. These are the people that have just been, in this context, it's Numbers 14, where they've been plucked out of captivity in Egypt and been led through the desert and going to be led for 40 years. These are God's people that His wrath is going to be poured out on and they're not going to enter His rest. So now I want you to think about who's God's people today. And is God's wrath going to be poured out on those people today? And is those people, are the people of God, the house of God, going to enter His rest? We got to look at that today because this was written to the people not of the Old Testament, but to us today as well. So if you will, go back to uh, Numbers 14. And we're just going to take a look at what brought this on. And if you look at the top of that, if you have subtitles, there it says, the people rebel. What does rebellion look like? Numbers 14, we'll look through um, first four verses. I think you will get it. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. The people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole con congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. 
That's what God considers complete rebellion against him. Because they're rebelling against his prophet. Now, we don't have prophets as we would call Moses or uh, the apostles and those type of things. But we do have prophets today that proclaim the word of God. But it's not in them that we rebel against. It's in the word of God that we rebel against when we don't listen to them. And so here in our congregation today, we need to look at, are we rebelling against God's Word? Are we not trusting in God's Word? Because that's rebellion to God. For you to not trust His very Word is like you saying, I'm completely rebelling against you, God. I'm looking for another leader to lead me and to guide me. I'm not taking you at your word. That's complete rebellion against God. And I know we're sitting in here today in church on Sunday morning thinking, well, no, there's none of us that have done that. But this week, I really, I don't know, you know, it's, I, I lose sight of it a lot of times when I'm not preaching that week. But the battle that goes on, especially with the preacher during the week with sin, and it was very... Um, on the forefront of my mind this week, thankfully. Um, and I, my sin was just much more obvious. And the temptations were much more obvious this week. And I said, every time I wanted or was tempted, the thought came up, are you trusting? Are you trusting? Am I enough, basically? Because here, the, old peop or the people of the Old Testament said, Moses is not enough. You're not, our, you're not enough for us, God. We need something else. You've, yeah, we were in almost Egypt. The captivity was better. We're looking to go back. We don't want to be led by God out from the Egyptians. We were safe there, at least. We were going to get fed. Probably get beaten too, but at least we knew what we were going to get there. So, we have to look at what we are rebelling against. And it's normally the Word of God and our trust in God. Now this was a pretty quick turnaround. They had not been out of the land uh, hundreds of years out of Egypt. So this is a pretty quick turnaround for them. It doesn't take that long. But notice that it was not their lips it's not what they were saying that was the rebellion against God. It's truly what was in their heart. If you go back to uh, Hebrews 3 now, notice uh, that it says in verse 10, they always go astray in their heart. It's in their heart where it starts. It's not on their lips. Normally, most of the time it will come out in their speech, but it always starts in their heart. And when it starts in their heart, it comes out in their, on their lips, but it's normally their actions that are evident of that as well. So we have to guard our hearts. Okay? And that's what he's going to get into here in verse 12. Verse 12 says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil unbelieving heart, 
that falls away from the living God. This says, take care or see to it. Okay? And then if you look into the Greek a little bit farther, it says that there not be in any one of you. It says, least perhaps one of you. One. Think about all the people that's been brought out of Egypt. And you say, but if we lose one of them, what does it matter? If one of them falls away from the living God, what does it matter? It matters a whole lot to God. One rebellious person can bring about the whole downfall of an entire nation. In the body today, and those that sit here this morning, one of you falling into a rebellious heart is damaging for all of us. And that's the reason why the writer of Hebrews is warning them all to take care. It's not the pastor's sole job. It's each and every one of us to take care. Which means we have to get a little bit nosy into the people's lives. Okay? And we don't get nosy because we want to puff ourselves up. No, we want to do it to take care. We want to know where each and every one of you have struggles so we can help take care. We need help, each and every one of us. As an individual, we need that help to protect not only ourselves and our own hearts, but to help protect the body, to help protect the house of God, the kingdom of God is truly what's at stake. Not for the... We know that the kingdom of God prevails, but we don't know that the kingdom of God's going to prevail in our brothers' lives, in our cousins' lives, in our workers' lives. And so we have to take care and watch out for those two. An unbelieving heart will fall away from a living God. He uses living here to make them realize the difference between the God that he's talking about and the God of those in Egypt. Or the gods that we may create in our own hearts today. As one said, our hearts are nothing but an idle factory. We make little gods in our own hearts. Because what we do is we turn to those for satisfaction for safety, for security. And so, the unbelieving heart is what we have to guard against. And we're not talking about, like I said, some dead God that we're looking at falling away from. Who cares if we fall away from a little fat Buddha doll? No, this is the living God that can destroy not only body, but soul as well. We have to be on guard. We have to watch out. That is an imperative there. Take care that any one of you have an unbelieving heart. We're in this together. We're not here to uh, judge each other and say, oh, well, you're not as good as me. No, we're here to lift each other up. We're here to sometimes drag each other along. 
Sometimes we're here to, to motivate each other in doing good and believing and not having an unbelieving heart. So, look in verse 13 now. We're told to take care or to look out, watch out for. But in verse 13, he says, But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardening, hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So not only do we take care of, we help watch out for, but we also encourage each other. Which means we're not just taking a step back approach and saying, okay, yeah, I see you, you're, you're falling to this, this is what you need to do, here. No, we're coming and encouraging each other. Coming up alongside of somebody and saying, hey, this is what we need to turn to. And it's the gospel. Every time. Anytime we find ourselves in sin, you can look back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look back to the patience and the long-suffering of God. Look at the humility of Christ and see where we are lacking in our unbelieving heart. So, the people knew that they lived in this what they called today. I don't know if your Bibles have quotation marks around today, but this is not just a simple 24-hour period. Okay, we're going to take a look at this later on. But... They are living in the time of today. And yes, we still are living in the time of today. So as long as it is called today, we are still to be encouraging and taking care so that none of us will have a hardened heart. We're not guaranteed tomorrow, of course. We only have the right now. And today is the time to respond in belief and trust. We can't say, oh, but I remember when I believed. Doesn't cut it. Or, well, I'll believe, I'll trust God, but later on. No. Today. Are you trusting? Don't look back and say, well, there was a time in my life when I was good for about five years. Everything was good. I was trusting God. I was in church. I was whatever you want to claim. Doesn't matter. We're talking about today. Okay. Don't care about your past. We don't know if we got a future. Today is what you need to be looking at, focusing on. And today is when we are here to encourage one another and to take care of one another. Now, that's hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's where we want to look back and say, well, but I was pretty good a year or two ago. That's a great way for you to be deceived by your sin of today. To focus at a higher point in your life. Because sin doesn't want you to realize that we're in the valley and in the muck and the morrow of sin. That's not what sin does. Sin doesn't point out and say, hey, you're living in sin, you're doing great, this is where you need to be. No, it's deceitful. It wants you to look at anything other than what's your heart or what you're trusting in today. So we have to be careful and look at our sinfulness today. Now, 
verse 14. It says, For we have become partakers of Christ. Now that would be great if there was a period there in the English. We can be sure of our salvation at that point, right? If we're partakers of Christ, we're good. We are inheritance. We got the inheritance of Christ. We are good. But in the English, we have a comma there. And we've got an if statement. And this really will rock some Baptist belief here. Okay? But it says, if we hold fast the beginning of our shorts firm unto the end, while it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. Once again, we can't look in the past and say, well, we trusted at some point. No, are we holding fast to that hope that we had? We can't say that we had. It's, are we having the same hope? Are we trusting in the same work of salvation that, that was accomplished through Jesus Christ today? And then tomorrow, guess what we say? Am I holding into the hope and the confidence that I have in the work of Jesus Christ today? And it's every day. And as long as it is called today. Now, this is still, it's an imperative that we keep we hold fast the beginning, the trusting, the belief that was given to us, the faith that was given to us. We're given that faith, and we hold fast to that that God has given us. From beginning to end, we're not shifted by the winds or the ways of life or the different beliefs here on this earth but we hold fast to the one true living God in His Word. Let's keep going. Verse 15. Once again, while it is said today, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. Remember, they simply provoked God by saying, we need another leader. Your man's not good enough. It's like saying, God, your word is not good enough. We can't trust in what you say about Jesus Christ. We've got to go out here and grab a hold of something else. That is rebellion against the living God. Your hope and trust and your confidence needs to be in the work of Christ as what God has said. And then we come across verse 16. It says, For who provoked him when they heard, indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient. So we see 
that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. But wait a second, writer of Hebrews. You just said because it was because of their disobedience. This whole chapter has been talking about belief and trust and holding to that assurance. Why are you throwing in the word disobedience here? It's one side of the coin. Trust, belief, one side. The other side of the same coin is obedience. You can't separate the two. God doesn't separate the two. We shouldn't separate the two. If you believe, you'll be obedient. If you trust, you'll be obedient. That's like saying, oh, I trust you, but I'm not going to do what you said. Why? If you trust what I've said, why are you not doing what I said? It doesn't make any sense. Belief is the same thing as obedience. Disobedience, if we can connect these verses together with Numbers 14, disobedience is not just sin that we would think of, but it's complete rebellion against God. God says, if you're not going to trust me, you're rebellion against me. That's all you are is a rebel against me. Now, we see that this is very troubling for some. Because we know people in our lives that said, oh, they believe, but yet they've not darkened the door of a church in 10 years, 15 years, 5 years, that live just like the world. And then it also should terrify us because we should also look at our own selves and say, I wasn't obedient in that. But I trust. I do believe. So, once again, you've got to look at yourself first. You can't be looking at everybody else and saying, oh, you need to take care. Hey, I'm here to encourage you. You need to be taking care of your own self first. Are you trusting? Are you being obedient? Now, there'll always probably be times where we are not obedient, where we sin. Because only Jesus Christ, as it said in the first part of chapter 3, that Jesus Christ was faithful as a son over the house. We're not 100% faithful. We're going to go after our own ways. And we're not going to be completely obedient. But we've got to take care to be. We've got to be watching out for each other and that we won't fall into a lifestyle of disobedience. We won't fall into 40 years of grumbling against God in the wilderness. And if we're doing our jobs as the body of Christ, it won't be four days of grumbling against God. Because we're here together to encourage each other and to take care of each other's well-being, their soul's well-being. We have to be on guard. Now, I want to drive this home that it is today. And Luke 2, verse 11, I think Tyler's got these. 
For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now we can look at that and say, yeah, that, that was Christmas, that, the day, December 25th, right? No, it's today. Today we can still hold fast that there was in the city of David salvation born to us. Luke 19, um, let's look at it all. I was going to look at, at verse 9, but we'll look at, well, let's do 1 through 9. Get the sense of what today is talking about. Luke 9, I'm sorry, 19, Luke 19, 1 through 9. It says, He entered in Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Today. Now, I know Joey's preached on this before. Our obedience is going to look different than the next person beside us. Here Zacchaeus showed his faith by giving up his money and possessions. It looks different for each of us. So in the whole time when we're trying to take care of each other and trying to encourage each other, we're not going to put our own beliefs, our own preferences on each other. Okay, Because my obedience to God is going to look a little bit different than your obedience to God. Now it's always going to be in obedience in accordance to His Word. We can always be sure of that. But it's going to look a little bit different. Luke 23, verse 43 says, And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I think we know the reference to this one pretty well. This is the thief on the cross. But this thief on the cross didn't have a history of going to church every Sunday or going to church every Wednesday. He didn't feed the poor. He didn't give away his possessions. He robbed people of their possessions. Why does he get to see Christ? Because today is the day of salvation. Today he placed his hope and trust in the work of Jesus Christ. A couple more. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus, is the, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus himself is just as good as he was 2,000 years ago hanging on the cross 
for salvation as he is today. Today is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he says, At a favorable time I listened to you, and on a day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time. Behold, now is a day of salvation. Today, and I'm not talking just to the lost, those that don't believe or don't trust, I'm talking to the people of God today. What are you trusting in? What are you hoping in? If you're trusting and hoping in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, you'll be obedient to His Word. If you're obedient to His Word, you'll be taking care of the body. You'll be encouraging the body. That's what it looks like to be a Christian, to be a child of God. Obedience and belief, the same thing. Just different sides of the same coin. Let's pray.